0: I think one of the most important things you can do and the first thing that I do when I bring in clients from my agency that are running a giveaway is attach some sort of influencer to your brand. Somebody who can give you automatic credibility that you can't give yourself. Credibility is earned over time. Your business, you've earned credibility over time. It's not overnight, but an influencer vouching for you can accelerate that process. Your business is not a pyramid. It's a round table where every voice should matter you're listening
1: to the culture camp podcast where we believe that if you build your dream team anything is possible tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes ceos founders and more who have created winning cultures in their organizations each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive here is your host jason haugen Hey what's up guys? We got another episode of Culture Camp with your man Van Oaks Van. Thank you for coming on the show.
0: Dude, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Awesome. Hey
1: dude, it I absolutely love what you do and there's so much of that you do. You are a master marketer.
0: Ah uh, yeah. I mean, that's what I do. I market <laughs> and I market. So, so it's it's sobering, humbling to always hear people go like, "Oh, you're great at marketing." Like cuz I it's it's more to me I'm still just grinding. Right. On the daily. Like it's not it's never been like, and as the years have gone on speaking at all the events and stuff, it's like, oh, you're a, you're an expert in this space. And it's always kind of refreshing to hear, but also humbling to hear like, you know what? I have been doing this for a while and it has become kind of like a, something that I'm very good at. How long have you been doing it? Marketing. I was a door-to-door salesman for 12 years. That's marketing at its core. Right. I mean, you knock on the, the last thing somebody wants to do when they wake up in the morning is to have you show up on your doorstep. And sell them something that they didn't wake up wanting. Right. So like you become one of the world's best marketers when you're selling door-to-door. And then it kind of transitioned from that into online. But I've been doing it for since 2002. Wow. So, I've so been, almost 20, 20 years. Yeah, I've been selling. Wow. Happy anniversary. Marketing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that's, that's two decades. I just showed my age real quick. <laughs> but it is what it is.
1: So why did, what got you into door-to-door? Like, you know, was it so just I, opportunity or
0: if we want to get into like when I was in high school, I was the small kid that nobody ever like I didn't I didn't hit puberty until I was like junior in high school. So I was always this little kid who was never popular. And I learned from a very young age, like if I wanted to do cool things and be popular, I had to be popular with like the kids who were. So I made friends with all the most popular and I learned to be like very A very approachable person, somebody that was easy to make friends with. And I made friends with all these people. And I learned to sell myself to these people, if you will. Right. So
1: So that's kind of where you're from from the the time I was junior high until
0: high school, I just wanted like I sold myself to like I became friends with all these people. And thus I, I, you know, I was not cool, but I was part of the cool kids because I was friends with all these people. And then I served a mission for my church for two years, knocking door-to-door, selling selling religion, so to speak, door-to-door. Right. And then when I got back from that, it morphed straight into door-to-door sales. Like I was really good at selling door-to-door. I was really good at making friends. So it morphed into, in 2000, 2004 was my first summer going out to sell. I went, we went and got... We went and hung out with some chicks one night late and one of my buddies that I was with was like, "Hey, I got to go do this job interview for Door to Door." And I was like, "Whatever, it was just the next morning." So I was just sitting in the office and some dude named Mike rolled in and was like, "Hey, what are you doing this summer?" And I was like, "I don't, I have zero plans, you know." And he's like, "Come to California and make 12 grand over the summer." And I was like, "Say less, you know." So right. I signed up. I went out and sold Door to Door that summer. And I was the number one first year rep for my company, which morphed morphed into, you know, the next year being a manager and then the next year being a regional manager. And then it morphed into like a 12-year career of doing door-to-door sales.
1: How many reps were were out that summer where you were number so the one?
0: First, the, well, I wasn't the number one rep. I was the number one first year rep. Okay. So, How many so first company, year reps there was, were there? The, it was a smaller company called Moxie at the time. They were oh, yeah. probably. They, I, yeah.
1: They used to yeah. do our bugs growing up. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah.
0: so Mike Fleming owned uh, Moxie Pest Control and I was in his office. It was a small, but the company in general was like 200 people, salesmen. I was the top first year. There were bigger second years and so forth. But then the next year rolled around and I was just like, dude, I was the number one. I want to be a manager. And Mike's like, dude, we don't have a position for a manager. We really can't grow like that. Wow. And I was just like, well, I'm going to go to a place where I can be a manager. So then I transitioned into alarm sales and became a manager there. Mike and I still maintained a really good friendship. So it was a different company? Different company. He just knew that I I wanted to be a manager. He couldn't often offer that position. So I grew elsewhere. So then from there on out, I was doing door to door for alarm systems for, I guess, say 12 years a Region had a dealership, and then in 2000, a the the, dealership, uh, ADT dealership. Okay, so we sold so it was all it was
1: the a, alarm systems and the yeah, equipment we, and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: all of it. We would sell these accounts to ADT. Uh, you get paid a little bit more doing that than opposed to working for the Vivance of the world and so right. forth. So we did that for a long time, and i I probably wouldn't have ever changed. Uh, honestly, I tell everybody this. I love I love sales. Like I there's some some form of, of accomplishment when you sell somebody something that didn't want it, like the highest of highs. It's like, right. a, like the dopamine rush that it releases is kind of crazy. So like, I'm addicted to that. Always have been. And I probably would have never changed because when I quit doing it, I was making quarter mil a summer. Wow. You know, I think my best year I made 400 grand in oh, a summer. Oh my gosh. So, shit. And, and like, like the money was untouchable. I worked eight months out of the year. The rest of the year I was home with my family. How old were you? when I made the 400 yeah. or like 26. Wow, so, that's, at
1: 26, that's life-changing yeah, like, money. Life-changing I mean, yeah.
0: money, like what? <laughs> I had all the toys, I had, every, I had everything that I shouldn't. But, but I probably would have never got out of it. it. I had my first daughter and my wife came with me. I got married, I had my first daughter, and my wife came with me out during the summer because you're gone for six, seven, eight months out of the year in a new city knocking. And then I had my second daughter and my wife's just like, I'm not taking them out. I'm not going to go live in a little apartment all summer while you work. I work nonstop. I work from the time the sun comes up until the time it goes down. Right. I never saw my family. It was just make money, make money, make money. And then my second daughter, I missed her walk. I remember she's like, I'm not coming out this summer. And I was like, that's cool. I'll go make the money. You stay here in this beautiful big house that we have. And, and I'll come back. And, not being around my family, like crushed me. So I missed my second daughter walk. And I, I remember when she called me and it just like took all the wind out of my sails. It was one of the worst summers that I had ever had. And I just said, it's the quality of life is not worth it. Like there's no amount of money that you can give me to where I'm not going to watch my kids grow up. My whole life, the only thing I ever wanted to be was a dad. That was it. So I just said, from that time on, I just said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I gave the teams to my brothers and I said, I've got enough money saved up to where I can figure something out. So right. I quit that in 2013, I stepped away and, and I just said, you know, I'm a really good salesman, but I want to be home. So how can I do this? I can learn to sell stuff online. So I spent literally two years watching YouTube videos. Burning through all the money that I had saved, you know, because we had this crazy high cost of living and I wasn't making any money, building websites and so forth and learning to sell stuff online and that transition, you know, two years of losing money. But then I learned how to run traffic. I learned I learned how to build websites. I learned how to build offers. I had some supplement offers. I had built some white labeled some supplements and some creams and so forth. And I was selling those online. So I did that for a while until I learned how to run traffic to it. And then that's when. Diesel Brothers reached out to me and was like, "Hey, can you can run traffic for us?" Wow,
1: that was a lot. <laughs> That's powerful stuff. Yeah, it's man. heavy. I mean, if you're a dad, yeah. dude, If
0: you're a dad, you I know you know. Yeah, I mean, I it's, know how much you love your daughter, like right. But there was, I'll never forget the phone call. Laying in my bed in Arkansas, waiting to go night, and my mom and my wife. Hey, FaceTime me. Look at her; she's walking, and it's just like crushed me to the core. And, and and I was never the same after that. And I just, uh, that was the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back that said, Hey, this isn't what you want to do with your life that you make great money. You provide a great living, but you're not a present father. And that's not what I wanted.
1: See, and that's man, like so many people can learn from that because me, my dumb ass self did, didn't do what you did. And it caused me to get divorced because I was so focused on the money and I was so focused on the grind. And like, I thought I was doing what I quote unquote should be doing, but my ex-wife, she just needed a, a husband and my daughter needed a father. And I, you know, kind of put them, you know, way down the totem pole and just kept going out. And I was speaking at different events and I was grinding. Like, and I just thought I was, the, it, the faster I spin my wheels, like all they care about is money. So I thought,
0: so you but did. it's the
1: complete opposite. And I can totally relate to you that there's no amount of money I mean, I was making good money, like similar, yeah. similar money. Yeah. I would have given it all up. I mean, I'm, you know, now things are good, but yeah. like, you know, I would have given, I sh- I should have given it all up to, to be home.
0: Yeah. I think if you think back on your, I mean, your childhood and I, my childhood were very different. I know a little bit about your background and mine. I had separated parents. So my, my dad was never there. I never had a relationship with my stepdad at all, but all I ever wanted was their presence. Right. I really like, we were, we lived very humbly, like. When I say we were poor, we were poor and I had nine siblings. Like it wow. was, it was it was a different life. But at the end of the day, I never felt, I felt like we always had enough. I right. had food on the table. You know, it might've came from the church storehouse. It <laughs> might've came, who knows, but I always, I was always eating. I was eating school lunch. I had to go in early because we were on school lunch plan and I could eat at lunch before any of my friends would see me there. I could eat lunch there and the state was paying for all I never felt like, like I needed any more. I just wanted more of a presence. Right. I never saw my dad. I never saw my, I'd never had a relationship with him. And as a child, as you're growing up, like the last thing you care about is money. The absolute last thing you the only thing you care about is that your dad's there. Right. Dad, watch this. Dad, watch this. You'll remember him being at those events, you know? So I was missing little things that I didn't want to miss. So now I don't miss dance recitals. I take my kids to school, you know? I don't miss things when I get home from work. I've got two hours, you know, that, that's just their time. I work from, I do travel a lot now, but but at the same time, when I'm home, I'm home. So like my focus is a lot more family oriented as opposed to before when it was the money, 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 money.
1: Right, because I mean, when you're, when you're growing up and you're grinding, like in that age, for some reason, like society just expects you to like grind, like it's almost working like, harder and not smarter and just like spinning wheels to spin wheels i mean i i can totally relate to how you you know very similar situations you know different i guess economic situations but like my mom and dad were you know quote unquote famous in what they did and they were on the road all the time and i didn't care about the fancy jet and the fancy house and all this stuff because i was so young i don't remember i just wanted my mom and dad at my soccer games and that was like unheard of like it was more rare for my mom and dad to be home than it was for them to be gone. When they were home, you're like, hey, like, what's up? Like, and so that, that relationship, like, you know, my wife is the complete opposite. Like, she can't go one day without talking to her mom and dad. Yeah. And me, I can go months without seeing them <laughs> and I don't think it's weird. Yeah. Right? But I grew up exactly, you know, my mindset now is exactly like you because I, What I was doing when I was growing up was the exact, or when I was, you know, got married and had a kid was the exact same thing my mom and dad did. I just thought you had to do that to make money. Yeah. Yeah, That's because I saw them do that. I didn't realize the effect it was having on my, my now ex-wife and my daughter. My my daughter was so young. I mean, she was just born and, you know, we got divorced when she was, you know, six, nine months old, something like that. But now I'm like you, I'm home every Thursday. I'm not missing dance recitals. You know, I, you know, whatever I can do to do day trips, you know, where I don't have to spend the night, I'm coming home. Like, you know, I'm like now my focus is on them. And then it's like, okay, we're getting more wise. And how can you work smarter? Mm -hmm. I mean, you work hard, but how can you work smarter and optimize the time? And then there's a huge thing that you said is when you're home, there's a difference between being home and being present. Oh uh, yeah. Like, you know, you can be home and on your computer and whatever, Hey, I'm home or I'm sitting next to you watching a movie. But if you're on your phone and not really your significant other, you know, I, your wife is probably like, Hey, you know, put your phone down.
0: Dude, my like, my business is is on a computer. Like, right. like, I make money while I sleep on a computer. So there's no time of the day where, where I can't be working on my computer. So it is very difficult. It's something, it's a cognitive thing where I plan on it when I get, when I have time, when I'm home from that five until eight o'clock, my phone's on a charger. Literally put my phone away because you're right. Right, It can get away from you. And though you're present, you're not really present and they're not, you know, you know, you're not talking to the kids. You're not watching what they're doing and so forth. So it's, I think we were, when we were talking about when you're young, you grind, 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 grind. You never had a family. right? So like when I was, you know, up until I was 20, even when I got married, it was just me and my wife. She was cool. If I was grinding, it didn't matter. But then when you have kids around 28, you've got, you've got to learn to transition from this grind mode of make money to like, what's more important, you know, you've got this new family that you never had to worry about before. Now you got to split time with these two things. So like you're saying, you got to work smarter as opposed right. to just grinding 24, seven, seven days a week, you know, now you've got to split it up to where you're, you're, you're splitting time between the two of them.
1: So what advice, so say there's someone out there that's 30 years old or, you know, in their, in their, their late t- They're in the same situation you were in where they might have a kid, you know, they have a wife and they're, they're playing this. There's a fork in the road and they're like, I don't really know what to do. Like I'm having this battle because I want to be home and be with my kid, but I have to get out there and make money. Like, you know, we all kind of hit this fork. If we just have to make a choice in what we want to do, what advice would you give someone in that situation?
0: At the end of the day, like even with me now, like my every, every focus is on being home with the family, but it's getting harder and harder, you know? more speaking engagements, you know, this business needs this, this business needs that. Like the more stuff I have going on, the more engagements I have. So, so it's getting harder and harder. So it's hard to say, don't go do those things, right? You, you got to do those things to push the business. But what you can do is you can make sure when you're present that you're actually fucking present. Right. You understand? Like when you get home from work, let's say you work a trade job and you work nine to five every single day and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. For but sure. when you get home at five o'clock, don't shut everybody out and go watch TV. Like what you put your phone on the charger, you spend your time with the kids. You know, right. you've got three hours until the, like, this is my life. You know, I get home usually 5.30 because I have an office in Park City. I have an office at home kind of all over the place. But when I get home at 5.30, I've got that 5.30 until eight o'clock until I put my kids to bed. Right. Where it's, the phone goes on the charger. It's the easiest thing to do. Because if not, you're you're getting blown up constantly. If it's that urgent, they're gonna call you. Right. You know? and you'll be able to hear it. You from can across hear the, it. You're fine. Right. But it's the text and the Instagram and the trust me, right. I, like I know it all. Like my whole business is ran off Instagram and Facebook ads, and so I'm on these platforms constantly, and then you just get sucked into this hole of 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 scrolling these feeds instead of spending time with your family. So my my big effort when I started to realize this, and I like, I still remember when I started to realize this was like, just when I get home, the first thing I do, it's a habit. Now I put my phone on the, on the charger.
1: Right. So this is called culture camp. So we can like, you know, culture in family. Do you believe that like, is it easier to operate and do what you do and grind if your home life is taken care of? Not,
0: <laughs> if anybody's ever, I mean, you know, better than anybody, if, if you've been through a divorce or, or hard times. There's no way. So, I, my favorite book of all time is How to Win Friends and Influence People. There's another book that's called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Al Mandino. And I've read this book, you know, I've done the full scrolls, I've done everything. I've read this book a bajillion times. But one of the things he, he, he says, you know, you leave the home at home in the marketplace in the marketplace. Right. And, and I've always believed that, right? until you're going through a hard time with your family, if you're going through a divorce, or if you, this stuff bleeds oh, into sure. your business and your mind is not clear and, and, and vice versa. Like business, you can kind of block out from home and not let it leak, but they, they start to leak into each other. If you don't keep it in check constantly, yes, this stuff, you, need, you need to keep it in check and understand that marketplace is marketplace, family is family. And my wife's really good we, since we've been married. From day one, when I was a door-to-door salesman, she knew never to call me on the doors. Right, like, Don't ever break my, like, when I'm at, like, in deep focus, please don't break that. like, Because that's when you get your most, weird. like, if I'm crushing it on the doors, please don't break that. So she's known, ever since we got married, do not call unless it's an emergency. You know? right. And vice versa, my work knows, like, don't call me at night to ask me what the promo is tomorrow if it's an emergency, call me. But if not, let's keep those separate. These is when I work. This is when I do this. So, so it's a conscious effort that you've got to do, but, but it is hard because those can leak into each other. And if your family life isn't in harmony, it leaks into your business life, whether you want it to or not. Right.
1: Especially if, you know, you're a, you're a manager, you're a business owner, entrepreneur, whatever, sole proprietor, even if you're the CEO of a big company, usually we we had that excuse oh well i have to i have to i have to but there are boundaries you can set at least at least i believe no so in, in my company I mean, we got over 200 employees there's boundaries that i do set yeah. and if you you know if you keep answering people back in the middle of the night well that's a habit they're going to say oh jason will always answer yeah. back you know van will always answer me but if you create that boundary people will will learn right yeah. so my I, wife's
0: really good about it now to where when i'm at work it's only emergencies you know and vice versa with my employees Thank, thank God for Slack. I mean, most of my business is done on the internet and my employees are communications through Slack and right. I can just silence that. That's awesome. So I can, I can shut out my business world and, and focus on the family and vice versa. Shut out my family and focus on the business world when the time's needed.
1: That's awesome. So you're getting out of door to door. You're transitioning into this, um, trying to figure out your, maybe your own business, yep. right? The Diesel Brothers reach out to you How was that transition of all the okay? You know, I was working for someone. You know, door to door. I'm going to make this transition and open up my own business. How was the transition moving into that?
0: So, as a door to door salesman, honestly, like you're you're already an entrepreneur. You're already an independent contractor. As is, yes, you work for somebody, but literally, you sign a, a 1099, and when you're going out, they can't make you knock doors. Right. So you don't. They can't make you work hours. So so it was a good transition from like. I'm a, I'm a different type of entrepreneur. I'm at, I'm, and I've said this a bunch of times, a lot of my, my wife doesn't agree with me, but I'm the perfect A player. I'm not your captain. I'm your grinder. I'm your A player. Like I can be an entrepreneur, but I work better when I have a visionary with me. That's just reeling, you know, just going with the ideas without, and let me figure out how to connect the A and B. I'm a great A player. So I've I played on the entrepreneur side. I've played on the employee side and I'm a good in between of the two. Believe it or not, there are, there are those type of entrepreneurs for sure. that aren't visionaries, right? That, that need somebody to do the visionary stuff for them and let me connect the A to B. Let me figure out how to do what you're saying. I did the door-to-door. I got out of that and then I'm working for myself specifically. Nobody's paying me. Nobody's anything. I built this agency where I learned to run traffic to... what happened i'll explain what happened why i i built an offer online of a of a supplement and basically when you were an affiliate it's called an affiliate i had this offer and i found an affiliate who had traffic and i paid him sixty thousand dollars to run this traffic to my offer and he did and he ran all the and i didn't know the guy paid him 60 grand he ran all this traffic but turns out the traffic was all bad traffic and it was all fake credit cards and so it was this whole scam so i lost 60 grand in a day And I said, I'll never do this again. I'm going to learn to run my own traffic. So I learned to run my own traffic to my offers. And that's when I decided I'm actually pretty, pretty good at running this traffic. I'll build an agency and I'll start running traffic for people. And I knew Dave and I knew Josh from diesel brothers. And they're just like, you're running traffic. Hey, we have this store, you know, at the time there was no TV show. It was just diesel power gear. They're like, we have the show. We give away these trucks but we just post on our socials. We need somebody to do the paid traffic for it, the Facebook ads, the Instagram ads, YouTube, and so forth. Can you do this for us? And honestly, like, I remember when they asked me and I, like, because I knew them, we were all friends, but I wasn't a professional at it at all, you know? I knew how to do it, but I wasn't a professional. I said, I can do it, but we're just going to be learning as we go. And thank God, Dave and, and Josh both bet on me as a person. And they're just like, dude, I know you, like, well, let's come figure it out together. So I went up and started working with those guys. And then it was like a crash course in, in learning to run traffic, you know, learning to run Facebook ads, learning to run Instagram ads and all this stuff. But now I had because they had done four million dollars the previous year in revenue, but now I had all this unlimited budget to kind of like the school of hard knocks. Right. <laughs> it's like figure out how to do this. And then that was, you know, the rest was history. We scaled up to $30 million last year and it's kind of a wild ride doing all that. Wow.
1: That's incredible. How did you get into the giveaway model? I mean, you're you're pretty much the master at the giveaway. I mean, yeah. I'm just going to say you are the expert <laughs> of the giveaway. I mean, you've, you've spoken a- around the world, honestly, about giveaway model. How did the heck did you come up with that?
0: So I didn't come up with it. I'll give full credit to Sparks, 100%. So at the time, and I'll, I still remember it, he had this big diesel truck. They had this YouTube channel. And what happened was they did this prank on YouTube where they blew black smoke into Rockwell's bathroom and Johnny was in there and Johnny got all black. And it got put on Jay Leno. Wow. So on Jay Leno's prank. And i still remember when they got the call to go do it and they went up there to do it and they got featured on Jay Leno. And it kind of blew their channel up. They had all these followers on YouTube that all loved his truck. And he I remember him thinking like, I want to give this away because everybody wants this truck, but... I can't do a ticket, like a $5 ticket to win it because that's a lottery. Right. But maybe we sell a wristband. If we sell a wristband and they buy a wristband and then I just give it away to somebody, somebody who bought a wristband. And they did that the first time. So the first time they ever ran a giveaway, I was not part of their company. I was just a friend. uh, And they ran the giveaway. They did the wristband. Everybody who bought a diesel power wristband got answered to win. And they did like 400 grand in six months off this little giveaway. And it was like, holy shit. What? There was nobody doing this giveaway models big now. You got eighty eighty. You've got Ford. You've got all these people running giveaway model now. But at the time, there was nobody. No. Sparks thought of this. And yeah, no, he, he
1: like paved the way.
0: Paved the way right. for it. So after the first one, they had everybody reaching out saying you should offer shirts, you should offer hats. So then it morphed into like they offered shirts and so forth. So I stepped in about a year in, and they were doing a good job we just kind of refined it. You know, we figured out how to run the paid traffic to it, utilizing their handles, like, wh- like whitelisting influencers. So the ads were coming from influencers instead of diesel power gear. And we kind of scaled that up. So we figured out all the rules and regulations because there is a lot of red tape. You
1: can't just. What is the red tape? Because, you know, I there's a lot of listeners out there that are trying to grow their businesses. So, you know, So
0: here's the main points. Here's what you need to know. If the prize is over $5,000, you got to register it in every state. Primarily, New York and Florida are the only two states that care. If the prize is under $4,999, nobody really cares. So that's the first one. So if it's over a $5,000 prize, let's say a razor or an expensive purse or a truck, for example, you got to register these things because every state wants their cut. The second one is that there has to be a method for somebody to enter without paying. So like, well, how does this work? Because if they have to pay to win, that's a lottery and that's illegal. The way that we got around this was we allowed mail-in entries. So if you didn't have any money, and if you went and found the official rules, which was on an obscure page on the back <laughs> end of the website, but if you found them, you could see that if you sent in a postcard and it said, I want to win Built Diesel 3, this is why I should win. And you ent- and you put your address in and you sent it in on these dates. You could get an entry to win just as if you spent money. Okay. So this is the way you get around the, so every giveaway company you'll see at the bottom, it says no purchase necessary to win. It's like, well, how does this make sense? Because the whole business model is predicated on every dollar you spent is an entry to win, right? right? So if you spend a dollar, you get an automatic entry to win. So if they spend a hundred bucks, they get hundred entries too. So what it does is it incentivizes people to spend more money to get more entries to win. So your your average order value of your store goes up, your lifetime value goes up. It, it's a great marketing ploy. And at the end of the day, your traffic cost to run the traffic to these ads is way cheaper. Because if the way Facebook's an auction, and if you're trying to sell a t-shirt, and I'm trying to sell a t-shirt, and you're willing to pay $30 to get a purchase, and I'm willing to pay 30 dollars to get a purchase, it'll send it out there. And it's just an auction. Whoever Whoever's bids more will buy it. But if I'm offering a truck, you buy my shirt, you can win a truck and this person's just offering a shirt, you're going to win 99% of those auctions. So what right. happens is your traffic cost is a lot cheaper in advertising. So the money that you save on advertising for your store can pay for the giveaway product total. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, for sure. So Because it's three times cheaper traffic, that'll pay for your whole truck right away.
1: So if someone's starting out and they want to do this giveaway model, what is something, like? how would they start the process?
0: I'm heavily focused on e-commerce, Shopify brands, so forth. But you could do this if you weren't, if you had a physical, you know, brick and mortar store. But we we tend to see this work better with e-commerce brands. Okay. And and you just need to know your demographic. So if you're selling leggings and you sell a diesel or you're giving away a diesel pickup truck, ain't nobody going to buy shit. Uh, so you need to know your demographic and you need to know what I tell all my clients. Because I have an agency that does this for you know, we've got 15 different clients right now that are running giveaways. And I always just ask them, I said, what is something that your demographic wants, but aren't going to spend money to buy? You know? So I got a legging store that we're giving away, you know, this Gucci purse. Okay. And it's like, because they, they women done, love Gucci. They love the yeah. Gucci. Guys love Gucci, you know, Gucci you too. Know? <laughs> so, so this is something that they're legging. They're all women. they, They buy the leggings, they want the purse, but a lot of people don't have the money to go out and buy a $5,000 purse, right? Right. But they would love to have one. So that's why if you can find a product like that that works for your demographic and then set it up legally and do it correctly, uh, nine times out of 10, it pays for itself. And then you add a culture to your business that you give stuff back to your customers, which will do, if we're talking about culture, it will do wonders for your brand.
1: How important is that to tie your your branding and your culture? Because like- we just talked about before we were on air, you know, there are so many brands out there that have created a culture like Tesla, like me and you both have a Tesla. And you know, I'm, I love my Tesla. You know, I'm sure you love your Tesla. You mob it around. You've had it. You bought a brand new. I bought mine not brand new, but they've created like a loyal following that people bleed, like bleed Tesla. I mean, they could script. I mean, I'm on all the Tesla forums and like, oh, this software messed up that software messed up. I have like, you know, this ghost car where my car slammed on the brakes. Yeah. But but they are not gonna sell the car. They're gonna keep it forever. Yeah. How important is that when you are marketing to show your culture and like to create a culture around your yeah. brand? Because branding and culture go hand in hand, I they believe. They are
0: they are hand in hand. I think Tesla does a great job. I mean, at the end of the day, Tesla makes a great car. I don't care who you, dude, I, right. I'm 150,000 miles deep on my car. I've never had an issue. It looks brand new outside. Yeah. Like, I've never had an issue. I'm 150,000 And you miles even put deep. tracks on it. Yeah, I put <laughs> tracks on it. You name it. Go check out the YouTube video. <laughs> Just that was crazy. insane. Shit's crazy. Uh, But I beat the hell out of this and never had an issue. So I think it's important, like, with these giveaway companies, for example, like… You know, when they're buying your product, don't sell shit product. I'm not talking about drop sipping some garbage product from China, you know, and it taking 12 days to get to their home and then it falling apart, be it a shirt or a hat or whatever. Quality p- product's the start of it, right? A brand right. That, some, that somebody actually is buying something that they care about. And then from there on out, then you can create culture. Like Diesel Power Gear has the wildest culture you've ever seen. I mean, it's, mil- it's millions crazy. of followers on Instagram, Facebook. YouTube, even we have a private group that has 40,000 diehard members. And when I say diehard, I mean, like if we post something on, on Facebook and one person says something negatively on it, we've got 20 people right below it with our back, you know, because we built, they've given away 75 different trucks, you know? So there's 75 different people in the United States driving these things who they changed their lives, you know? So these people are diehard forever fans of this company. And it it is fun to watch. Even if you don't win, let's say you don't win the truck or whatever, it's fun to see somebody that did, you know? And we use that content a lot in remarketing and in videos so that you can see how it did change somebody's life. So then the next time they're running a giveaway, you're like, hell, I'll give it another shot, you know? So it increases that lifetime value instead of them buying one time, not winning, and then they're like, "Oh, I'm done. I didn't win." They see somebody win, they see it change their life, and they're like, "I'll try it again." Well, and they know? have cool shirts. Yeah. They got a
1: ton of cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know how like I was uh, when we went to the Garth Brooks concert the other night. Everybody saw us with Sparks and yep. Diesel Dave and you know the Muscle Keaton and you and yep. everybody. And they're like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm buying a shirt. Tell them to to let me win." Or really, you know, <laughs> yeah. tell them I'm like, man, like there are so many people out there that my personal friends that are buying you know, yeah. these shirts and I see them everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like creating a culture and a brand like they, diesel power gear is a brand. Oh, like for sure. I would almost say it's, it's, you know, diesel brothers, the TV show, but there's diesel power gear. Yeah, And that is like a loyal, loyal group. No
0: question. No question. So it does. That's one thing that's positive about the giveaway model. That it does create this, this brand around your business that we see all over the world. People wearing these shirts all over the world, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah. That's awesome, man. So when, if someone, you know, is starting, you know, something, can they reach out to you? Do you, do you take a bunch of, you know, your agency, do they, do you take clients? Do you take a lot of clients? Like if if someone's out there right now and say, I don't really know how to do this. I would really like a professional company to come do it. What, what exactly, what is your your agency called first? Goat Media. Goat Media. So what does Goat Media do?
0: So, so when I stepped, I stepped away from diesel power gear last year. Yeah.
1: Cause yeah. I, I saw that you made a big announcement yeah. that you're stepping away because yeah, you I, worked for them, correct?
0: Directly. Yeah. Directly
1: for them. I was
0: an independent contractor, but yes. Okay. I yes. IRS. I, 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 <laughs> you,
1: um, you were an independent contractor that you were, did not work for them, TM, they're you know, whatever. But you worked with them, just working pretty much with them. And now you
0: just, why did you decide to do your own thing? what had happened was i had my agency they hired my agency to run all the traffic and then it just morphed into them taking up 95% of my time right which was okay because the money They did was a lot there. of volume yeah the yeah. volume was there the money was there every like i've i've ne- and and still to this day i'm more grateful to the guys at diesel power gear for for my career than anybody than anything like i i worked my ass off but these guys gave me a platform to to scale and to learn and I'll always be in debt to them for that. So, like, I, I went up there, helped them. You know, we did this together. We launched tire companies. We launched a couple other brands with them. I launched, uh, we did an educational conference with Sparks and I called Heavy Academy. There were a lot of business ventures that came out of that, came out of that and a lot of business in general that came out of that. And then last year I had an opportunity to partner with the VC fund and I had always wanted to, venture capital was always interesting to me. So I left and I did that. And then I launched an agency again. My previous agency was acquired by Structured Social out of California. So I started a new agency running the giveaways and then I launched my Tough Ring brand. So I, I did a, one of the businesses that came from Diesel Power Gear was a brand called Toughering, which is a silicone ring company. What happened, the actual, the story behind it is OSHA, which is a regulating, right. a safety regulation government that comes by businesses that do mechanics and stuff like that. And and make sure you're compliant and you're safe. Right. And they came oh, through. Oh yeah, in our
1: dealerships, we get them all the time.
0: Yeah, and constantly. So they came through and you're not allowed to wear a wedding ring because it can get caught on this stuff and rip your finger off. Right. So they asked one of the guys to take their wedding ring off. And that's when I said, there's got to be something we can do for these guys, these blue collar guys who work on the oil rigs or something like that. But I have spouses that want them to wear rings, but they can't. So they tattoo them on and random shit like that. So we made a silicone ring brand. I did it kind of as a side hustle and put a flag on it, made it breathable and made it basically marketed it to the blue collar demographic. And then, you know, we did it as a side hustle and we did 1.5 Million the first year in these in silico- rings in silicone rings yeah oh yeah shit. so so it was like a side hustle tiny kind of funny thing like let's just launch it and see we did one point five and then I was just like okay so this is a legit business so when I stepped away from Diesel Power Gear now I I do Tough Ring and then I do my agency so I own my agency I have employees there and then Tough Ring's completely separate thing I have my employees there so spend a little bit of my time doing both but but when it comes to the agency. Yeah, we 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 bring on clients. There's there's consulting where we can consult, right? You know, and just kind of tell you how to do it. Or there's full service where we you know bring you in, set everything up for you, license it, register it, bond it, assume all liability for you, run all the paid traffic for you, do everything for you from start to finish. So there's kind of everywhere in between.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I love your tough rings. I bought them. And yeah. then I have a a, a, a my ring that you I got that bling, yeah, I bling got the little diamond on, ring. Son. But you know, I bought a. I love the fact that I got three of them. You yeah, know, buy one get two free. Yeah, that um, was the great market. That was the offer that yeah.
0: worked. You know, we were because you can buy these rings on Amazon. They're shitty rings. You know, I,
1: that's why I did not. So I had them. Yeah. Previous marriage. You know, shout out. Um, <laughs> and I hated them because I I would wear them. They'd get stretched out. Yeah. You go swimming in them, the chlorine or salt yeah. water, or whatever, mess yeah. them up. Like this is the first ring that I'm like. You know, wearing I've worn it a lot because yeah, I'm you know yeah. th- I don't want to mess this one up and I, it has never stretched.
0: They're like ten dollars on Amazon, these shitty little rings. And we looked at them and we just said, like, hey, those are garbage thin. So we made military-grade silicone thick, robust, with holes in it so that it breathes underneath because the old rings used to smell and yeah, and they, they used to they get sweaty and, they slide, get sweaty off and, and slide off. Yeah. So we made these a little bit different, and then when we we price tested everywhere from you know forty dollars down to ten dollars. And the margin on them are really good. But what we found worked the best after, once again, I like we price tested a lot. I spent a lot of money on Facebook ads to run these things to get to that 1.5. Right. But the offer that we found works the best is buy one, get two free. You know, it's 40 bucks. You buy one, you get two free. But they have lifetime warranties on them. So you're paying like, you know, 14 bucks. 13 bucks a ring. And if you lose it, you break it, you buy it. I, I I don't care what happens to it. We'll send you a new one for free because the margin's so good on these things. You're already a customer. I want to create that culture of like a lifetime value, like a product that's so robust that it'll last your whole lifetime. And if it doesn't, there's plenty of times that people rip these. Right. Surprisingly, they're really thick, but people will rip them for whatever reason. No stress. I'll send you a new one for free. Like that's amazing.
1: Free. I mean, it's really important to create that. Like that quality culture yeah. too.
0: With the blue collar demographic in particular, with every with every demographic, don't get me wrong, but a blue collar demo is the most diehard. When they find a brand they love, they will never stop buying from that brand, you know? Right. It, but, but it needs to be something quality that they love.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I bought rings previously, silicone rings on Amazon and I'm yeah. not going to go back because yeah. I don't, yeah, they're cheap, but I'm, I don't, First off, it's annoying to keep having to go buy them. Yeah. And then you're without a ring for a little bit. Yeah. So like if, in th- these, I love that I have three of them yeah. and they're all the same quality. Yeah. So if I break it, you know, I have two more as a backup yep. and they then, you know, get little outfits, different outfits, swimming, swim, sitting, you, swim, you know, I matched it up. I got a blue got one, a gray it. one, a black one. So yep. I like that. Like, I like the, the branding culture around that. And I noticed like, I love the fact that you, and I know Dave wears them mm-hmm. and you probably could buy a fancy ring. And Dave could probably, rings. yeah, but like you mob rings. that one all the time and like you rock it. And, I wear
0: my brand. man. Yeah.
1: And, and that is so like, and so important because there's so many people out there that they're almost embarrassed of their brand. Yeah. They don't show anybody their yeah. brand. They don't live their brand. You know, I was, one time I was uh, at, at a dealership and they were a car dealership and the, you know, the gentleman, he was actually the owner. Um, He was the owner. He was bragging the entire time about his Porsche and how amazing his Porsche was and all these things. The Porsche, like, I don't care. Like, but I'm there to buy it chevy truck like yeah like you're kind <laughs> of talking to me, me yeah tell me about your chevys bro like yeah. don't talk to me about your entire porsche collection that you would never buy a you know one of, like, i'm like dude like you're not living your brand now it's yeah. okay if he had a porsche but like yeah you went on and on and on and on and on about this porsche which porsches are great but i really think it's very important like i had to learn that because in the rv industry i, I went from a very not really corporate but like a very like prestigious i mean i was speaking at conferences and suits like i was a very different culture boom i'm in the you know a little bit redneck uh, blue collar (laughs) rv industry which i love like i adore it and it was really it took me almost three years to to tell people hey i have these dealerships yeah i never put it on my facebook never put it on my instagram until someone ripped me a new one
0: yeah
1: um and was like you are not living your brand you need to breathe it you need and so then i'm like okay i'm gonna brand it haugen rv group And so that's my last name. I'm going to live it and leave that legacy. And now I'm super proud of what we've done. I mean, we've grown it. You've grown a lot since you've done that. Yeah. And uh, because now I'm like, and there's so many people, like there's a lot of haters out there, but there are a lot of people that, you know, at least to me that are like, hey man, congratulations. I love what you do. And hey, I saw this article about the Haugen RV group. Hey, I bought a trailer from you. Hey, my mom and dad bought a trailer from you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's like, hey, we're having this issue. Yeah, But I'm looking at it like I need to be the forefront if there's an issue, people need to be able to reach out to me and I need to know. I'm not going to hide behind the shadows and I kind of was. Right. So how important it is for someone to do that?
0: The most important, especially with with giveaway brands and specifically uh, and with brands… Because
1: you don't want them to think like you're snaking them because people be like, oh, like you said before, like I just, I'm just i doing this giveaway model and I'm giving away X but I'm getting like the world's worst quality t-shirts yeah. and whatever and like yeah. you're driving all this traffic and people are like, screw those guys because yeah. they're but like… Diesel, I have a bunch of Diesel Power Gear shirts. Shout yeah. out to Dave one time, gave me yeah. a ton of them yeah. and mikel. And they're quality. I mean, I wear them all the time. Yeah. They're quality they're shirts.
0: And all the guys rep the brand. right? Like, like that. I think it's very, very important, especially with giveaway and any e-commerce brand in general. But like if you're an influencer and you, let's say you're an influencer and you've got a decent following and this is something that you want to do to monetize your following is like make a store or make something where you're selling merch or something like that. You are the brand. Right, there isn't a brand beside you. Like if Dave, if if Dave and Dave and and everybody stepped away from Diesel Power Gear, now it's big enough to where it might stay a brand a little bit. But at the end of the day, that brand goes as much as they push it. That's true with any influencer that that's going to launch some sort of a brand, be it a coaching Keaton's coaching program. Whatever it is, if you're an influencer and you're going to launch a brand to monetize that following, you have to live that brand. You have to push that brand 24 seven. That's, that's why it works. You know, right. the second that you're not the face of that brand is that the second that the brand kind of falls off the map.
1: So if you're not an influencer and you're coming out with a product, how important it is, how, how important is it, or is it even important to have an influencer to try to partner up with someone that can maybe have a bigger following than you?
0: That's a great question because let me rephrase that a year ago it probably wasn't quite as important. What happened, just, just to fill you guys in a little bit on why this is important now if you're into online marketing. In September 22nd of two years ago, I, uh, Apple came out with something called the App Transparency. It was iOS 14, and basically what they said is from here on out, nobody's going to be able to track you on an iPhone device, on, a, on an Apple device, be it a computer, be it a phone, be it whatever. 55, 56 percent of people in the United States have an iPhone. Right. So what happened was, overnight, we were unable to track 60 percent of what people were doing online. So if I, if I'm running ads and I want to target somebody who's, who just purchased a home, you know, let's or whatever, somebody who just got married for tough Rings, for example, I target them a lot. Just got married, can't track them anymore because there's wow. no way you can track much. So so you can't paid ads has taken paid advertising in general has taken a massive dip. And it's always been important to have influencers, but more now than ever is influencers know their demographic. And they, if they're a blue collar influencer, D- Diesel Dave, he knows his demographic and he has access to that demographic. If I'm launching a brand, Tuff Ring, the very first thing that I did was what? Got Dave. I went and got Dave. Yeah. I said, I need somebody that is wild, very well known in the blue collar space that people trust to be the face of this brand. And I told him, I said, you don't got to do anything literally nothing. Just let me take pictures of you. Let me do a couple of videos of you. Let me put your face on the website and so forth. And I use and I use him as the face of this brand because people trust him. There's something weird about online. So I just read a consumer report that there was over 67% of people said they had been scammed on the internet over some point in time. So right. 67% of people are very cautious on what they do. And if I say that I'm giving away a truck, And nobody's ever heard of that business before. The chances of them believing me are pretty small. But if Diesel Dave says that he's giving away a truck, for whatever reason, people trust those influencers. They've earned their trust. They follow what they do. They buy what they buy. They do whatever they do. And if he says that he's giving away a truck or that he loves this ring, automatically they love this ring. And they don't need to trust my business because he trusts them. So- I think one of the most important things you can do and the first thing that I do when I bring in clients for my agency that are running a giveaway is attach some sort of influencer to your brand. Somebody who can give you automatic credibility that you can't give yourself. Credibility is earned over time. Your business, you've earned credibility over time. It's not right. overnight. But an influencer vouching for you can accelerate that process.
1: Right, and it's really important to get the right partnership because no I've seen some influencers that are like, what, you know, especially in in, in my industry is like, it's kind of hard with the with the RV. It's kind of hard to find that right influencer because it's a very niche market. Like I can't go get like a you know a you know probably a bodybuilder competitor. Even though Rob and Dana crush it with our yeah. trailer. Shout out yeah. to them. They're they're Rob and Dana. Hey Flag Norfell Flag right Flag here. Norfell. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Rob's gonna be on the we'll be on this too. He's a star. Um, Yeah. He's he's an awesome dude. But like you know you got to get that right demographic to fit you. And and I love Dave and I think he does really well. Mm-hmm. And because he is the most genuine person i've ever met like when i first met him it's like sketch like weird yeah because he's so nice and people see that like we would just went to the garth brooks concert and we walked right up into the front and he was saying hi to everybody and taking pictures and he he literally is the nicest person i've ever met where i told him i was like dude it's freaky but you're amazing and now like i know it's genuine and same with that like his wife is the sweetest sweetest woman ever it's
0: to a fault though like if you, it you is spend, because yeah. you spend six years or 10 years of your life going everywhere with this man if you're late for an appointment you've got a flight to catch at 10 and somebody at 955 stops and wants to tell him about their 90 1966 chevy that's sitting and he's yep. gonna sit and talk to him for 15 minutes about it and i'm like dude
1: we got to go. We're
0: going to miss our flight. And he's like, well, I don't want to upset. It. It's like, dude, at some point there's got to be yeah. like, he he legitimately is. There's not a better human being on this earth than no, Diesel Dave.
1: He's a good dude. So Ben, I appreciate you being on this. We've we've covered a lot. One question I want to ask you before we wrap this up is, well, first, where can people find you?
0: The, as cliche as it is, my Instagram is probably the, it's your boy. Your real Instagram. My real Instagram. <laughs> These fake Instagrams are killing me out there, man. Hey, my assistant almost fell for it. She's like, hey, I'm going to give Van this much money. I'm like, why are you giving Van money? Dude, I wish (laughs) there was something I could do about these fake accounts that pop up every day. But it's your boy, Van is where I'm probably most active. I mean, I've got Facebook. I've got everything else.
1: And I know your link tree is in your bio. You can- Yeah, if you find
0: my link tree, you can find all my businesses, my my LinkedIn, my Facebook, my Snap, my everything. But I, I, I probably answer more DMs and talk to more people on Instagram than any other platform.
1: Cool. Awesome. So it's your boy Van on Instagram. And one question I want to ask you, which I ask everybody is, what is success to you? Success is what?
0: I don't think success is ever defined in the same way by any single person. I think success to you and success to me are very, very, very different things. Uh, and I don't think it's the same thing for any one person. But to me, success, and it's different, success in life and success in business. But at the end of the day, if I can look myself in the mirror and I can be happy with where I'm at, I'm successful. It's not a money, it's not tied to monetary possessions and not tied to anything. Wow. But if I can look in the mirror and if I can say, you're a good person, and you're doing your best, and you're happy. I think that's success.
1: I love that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I will. We will sign off on that because that I, that needs nothing else. Of course. So, Van, I appreciate you.
0: Always. I do. Really,
1: really appreciate you, and we will see everybody on the next episode. Let's Thank do you.
0: It. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Culture Camp Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, leave
1: a five-star rating on your podcast player and share this episode with your team.